Hey everybody and welcome to the G2V podcast for a little True Blood post-mortem. Uh, this is a little satellite episode. We have both just more or less just finished watching the season finale, uh, season six season finale of True Blood. And we thought, we, while it was very fresh in our minds, in fact I've only just finished watching it about five minutes ago, uh, we thought we would get together and chat about it. Talk about what was good, what was bad, if we were happy with the way it went, and uh, also talk about where we think it might be going for the next season. So once again, I'm Scott Woodard, and I'm joined on the other line by... Arnold T. Blumberg. And let's talk a little bit about this finale. So, Arnold, I know you have your opinions, and you saw it a few hours before I did, so why don't you start off? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, since we spent all the time talking about a lot of the stuff from the previous episode, I sat down watching this figuring, okay, remember we even talked about in the the main episode we did about how they tend to have this rhythm where they wrap up everything in the the penultimate episode and then set things up for next time. Mm -hmm. And no, it didn't quite go that way tonight with this finale. Uh, it did kind of feel like they had a final episode that ran 30 minutes. Yep. And then just decided to do another 30 minutes. Of another show. Of another show <laughs> that normally would take, I don't know, writers and producers and people that actually make something worth watching. Uh, an entire season or half a season or quite a few episodes to set up. But no, let's just go to a title card that says six months later and change almost everything that we know about the characters and the premise of the series and see yeah, now we have mayor merlot we have, we have mayor... no more Sa- no no more uh, no more merlot no more merlot spellflores spellflores arlene has all the money he's mayor how did he become mayor eh, don't worry about it eh, who cares um Alcide is now with Suki. Alcide is now with Suki. Alcide cut all his hair off, which which was probably good because if you looked looked at that wig at the start of the episode, yes, it, it definitely had to go. Yeah, although I I always felt that was part of his look that made him even more appealing to fans that like Alcide. So I wonder what their reaction is to the shorn Alcide, which to me just instantly created a Samson reference in my mind. So is it like joining? Like hooking up with Suki immediately <laughs> saps you of all your strength and will because I know watching her sure does. Um, Ooh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there uh, were some painful moments in this one. I also, I, as much as I argued in our main episode about for the funeral episode, I actually winced when this episode began with them casually strolling away as the. Uh, they're filling in the grave, and I was like, oh, my God, we're still at the cemetery? <laughs> Are we really still? And uh, it, it was it was like, I mean, I know it's a cliche, but to me, Stephanie and I were talking about this. My wife, Stephanie, I know we'll say this enough. Eventually, people listen. This will probably know without having to say my wife, Stephanie. Um, 
we we just kept looking at each other like this this really feels like that cliched kind of train wreck happening right in front of us it's i think it's definitely just right off the bat i think of what i can remember clearly it's the worst season finale of the entire series so far i can't remember uh anyone that felt more disjointed and i don't know what it is but it seems to be a running thing in a lot of pop culture lately including some movies i've seen recently that i was much more hopeful about and other shows there seems to be a complete loss of any kind of sense of how to maintain a consistent tone Mm -hmm. or structure and storytelling or any kind of uh coherence in, in narrative it was a mess from start to finish remember we were talking about how rucker howard disappeared yeah, well, no, no, he's back. But yeah, he's back. How did he do it? Eh, doesn't really and, matter. Uh, and then what happened afterwards? Warlow. Apparently, he's gone. He's, he left again. He left again. And then Warlow, who spent in what I thought was one of the more cleverer things this year, was set up to be the big bad. Was revealed not to be really, but a much more nuanced character that that placed the blame back on her parents and really changed a lot of what we knew about the Stackhouse family. And then in the final episode in the last, in the first 30 minutes and basically his final 30 minutes on the show, he just becomes an utter bastard and literally hits her in the face just so that the audience knows he's now a rat in, in what seemed like a complete 180 again from where he was only to provide a meaningless final showdown so they could get rid of him and put Bill back into the position that I'm not sure any of us ever really wanted again, which is he's back saying, Sookie, and coming in <laughs> to rescue her. I, I can protect you. <laughs> I'll protect you, Sookie. And it's like, you know, we were really glad that part was over with. And why is Warlow now out of nowhere being an ass and 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 a violent per, you know creature and it's just to wrap that up um more fairy stuff i am so sick of that plane of existence and the plastic trees like <laughs> plastic trees plastic vines God, I, I love the twinkle between lights. bill and warlow where bill is smacking him with a plastic tree <laughs> um that was insane I also thought it was kind of odd that it felt like they were looking over at another show that, regardless of its utter lack of uh, of compelling narrative, seems to be doing far better than they are, which is <laughs> Game of Thrones, um, and stole an ending from them in a way, because Game of Thrones had an ending where you saw the march of the ice zombies coming in. Right. I'm not entirely sure where we're going with this, but the finale of this seems to be setting up that there is a new breed of mutated vampire a sort of zombie vampire hybrid created by the Hep V, which is another great example. The Hep V was shown to us as something that was an apocalyptic uh, infection placed in the true blood to annihilate the vampires. Everything we've seen up to date shows that that's exactly what it does to them. It melts them down to goo and they're dead. Now, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, lots and lots of vampires apparently drank the exact same strain of stuff, but they didn't die. They've just been mutated into something. Why? Yeah. Yeah, we need a new threat and, from out of the blue. Yeah, and I and I know I keep doing that as an easy joke that eh, but to me that actually feels like what I'm getting from so much storytelling these days. Let's yeah. do this. Why? Eh. Eh. And and this episode was filled with that. And that yeah. six month shift was incredibly uh 
disappointing and odd and strange to strand your audience in the future, basically, and not even give you a chance to catch up and shift everyone around like, let's see how True Blood would look this way. Um, so very, very disappointing. And the one last thing I'd throw in before we turn it over to you is that we obviously also had the, I thought, completely unconvincing attempted uh, stab at our heart of having Eric enjoying the sun as all the fairy-infused vampires, which I knew from the beginning. I was like, hey, don't they know the clock is ticking on this? It's going to wear off. And they're all doing the Charleston. That's another thing, by the way. Now we know that any vampire, no matter how ancient they are, when they would get the ability to walk in the daylight, what would they choose to do? Become a bunch of stoner beach bums and hang around outside a house and dance the Charleston. That's, <laughs> that's what the vampires would do. Except for Eric, who decides to go back to his homeland and sun himself on top of an iceberg or a mountain. And then uh, burst into flame when the clock runs out. Except, of course, that we see him on fire and then the camera quickly goes away and then we have our six-month jump. In no way am I even remotely convinced that he's dead. No, because Pam took off. Because Pam went to get him. Yeah. I even said as soon as I saw we they started moving towards him and I said, well, you know, we realized that the fairy blood was going to fa- wear off. And I said, well, Pam's going to save him. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and he'll like dig under the snow to protect himself or something. And and yeah. I think especially because of all the rumors that we'd already talked about last time that were going around. As soon as I saw Eric in trouble in the finale, I was even more convinced that's not going to happen. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's So it's an utterly false sense of tension there because there is no tension it's yeah it's gonna be fine and i'd like to, I, would, I just wanted to also add uh it's just carrying on from what you were just saying it, it drove me crazy just to see all these hipster vampires just you know like partying on a lawn and i said to Tamara, i said i don't know if you suddenly could walk in the day and you still were a vampire don't you think you'd do something a little bit more dramatic yeah like you know let's go take down a government you know let's <laughs> let's assassinate some people or for just fun. attack a single human being i mean yeah. every single one of them are are like such a bunch of complete wimps that they're just interested in i all i ever wanted to do was dance and play it's volleyball like, and play volleyball <laughs> play volleyball <laughs> really really fun. play volleyball <laughs> And that's the other thing, that Violet character who came Ugh. out of nowhere had And they try to make her this Yeah, they try to someone we're supposed to care about, I guess. Yeah, or or at least feel some sense of foreboding about. She's like, I, right. I own you, Jason Stackhouse. Who is she? Where'd she come mm-hmm. from? What's her background? Why should we give a damn? Why is she there? And and yeah. she's meaningless. And now they're in this committed relationship and She's beating is... she's beating Jessica with the ball because she's so jealous. Yeah. And and also making him service her on a regular basis. And also there's another thing. I that there's a really crass sex joke out of that whole sequence where evidently he's been doing a lot. We'll we'll keep this PG thirteen, I guess. <laughs> Jason's evidently been doing a lot for her, uh, but she hasn't been reciprocating. Right. And if you've been following the show, she made that very clear. I don't quite understand the logic of that, apart from it being some weird kind of power play. But frankly, while that seems playing out in this episode, I was starting to think, yeah, that does seem remarkably unfair at this point. <laughs> 178 times or something, you yeah, said. see, I think he's more than done his share. What is her game? And then at the end of it, why do I even care? Because she's meaningless. Yeah. She's just meaningless. 
some random character. Tamara had a great theory at one point, and of course, this is we, goes back to I think we talked about this in the in the main episode, where inevitably you always throw out theories and ideas at the screen that are better than what the show presents. Right. And uh, and when Warlow blasted her and she was lying unconscious on the floor Mm -hmm. and they kind of highlight that at one point and Tamara said you know for the longest time ever since I've seen that character she kind of reminds me of Lilith wouldn't it be interesting if Lilith suddenly you know is in her and and you know takes Warlow down or had some theory along those lines and I thought oh that'd be kind of interesting a nice twist I mean Lilith just seems to have faded away right dropped Uh, completely yeah whatever you know he can't move a glass anymore no more telekinesis and he's back to old Bill but, you know, threw that idea out. But, of course, they don't go there. They just, you know, wind up staking him, and that's enough to kill him. And the frightening thing is, does the complete and utter lack of closure about just what the hell all that little stuff really meant mean that they're going to go back to it next year? Which I'm not sure I even care anymore at this God. point. Because yeah. they really did provide no sense of closure on what any of that really was about. I mean, yes, fine. And I'm sure there are plenty of people listening going, hey, you weren't paying attention to the show. Yes, there was a prophecy. Yes, Bill was supposed to fulfill this prophecy of saving them. But nothing really added up, including the fact that last year we were even really strongly made to believe that there was an element of this whole Lilith story that was skewed. That it was sort of a a commentary on religion as well. The vampires had the sense of what Lilith was, but as we've often seen in this show, there's usually something else going on. What really was she? What really was the agenda? What really happened to Bill? Eh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. And and never mind the fact that he did actually become the first vampire, as far as we know, to uh, survive being staked now. Mm -hmm. Got a second lease on life, so to speak. And by the time, oh my god, and when we got the flash forward and he's sitting there appearing on television with a book (laughs) that he's written, I actually said, Stephanie, at this point, I said, my god, True Blood has completely run off the rails. (laughs) This has gone completely insane. I think a shark was jumped at that moment. (laughs) It was to, 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 uh, to... To provide a reference to a colleague of mine who's experiencing uh, quite a pop culture uh, juggernaut right now, it was a veritable Sharknado taking yes, indeed. blood <laughs> of craziness. G2V. Do you like machetes to your crotch? Being slammed in a sleeping bag up against a tree? Being cut in half doing the hibbity-dibbity? Would you be interested in becoming a blood geyser, or getting stabbed in the shower, or having a thumb shoved through your forehead, or just a good old-fashioned decapitation? If so, Idle Chatter Podcast is for you. You know, and here's uh, that throwing things at the screen that uh, that are better. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, that's not to say that it still couldn't happen because they just didn't come back to it during the course of this finale. But when Tara's mother came to her at the end mm-hmm. and said... I, I know exactly what you're going to say because I think Tamara said the same thing. But go ahead. Okay. Her mother is infected with hep V and tested positive. Yeah, yeah that's She's exactly what Tamara said. Yeah. Now, watch them not do that. No, of course not. But but as, so, as soon as I saw that, I thought, she's still a bitch. We even specifically were given that 
when she arrived at the funeral and said something like, I've oh, longed for this day or I wouldn't, oh, I wouldn't have missed this for the world. You got that weird undercurrent that like she's still an awful person. Mm-hmm. And then she has, if she tested positive, she'd have this amazing opportunity to lash out and kill the unclean demonic creature that was once her daughter. So right. I, I immediately said, oh, she's got hep V. That's what yeah. it is. But they didn't follow through on it. They didn't even give you like that little twinge that you would normally expect in a show like Tara's biting her and you get the mother suddenly smiling over her shoulder like you'd know. You, you got or nothing. Tara pulling back and wide-eyed and yeah. you know, so, staring at her mother, which would have been nice, yeah. but nothing. But that doesn't mean that that might not actually happen. But it's odd that if it is intended, usually you'd get some kind of tease about it and you don't. Right. Um, but... My God, I, I can't even begin to express how much that just felt like everything completely fell apart. Mm-hmm. The The first half hour was really the finale. It was massively rushed. And like I said earlier, I, I think an incredibly poorly judged um, second turn in the way Warlow was represented after setting him up as a villain completely changing that and making it more obvious that he was a more complex character and not really that. And then using what I think is just one of the laziest, easiest ways to make someone instantly look evil by lashing out and physically attacking her just so that they can precipitate a showdown. Um, and then that the, the six months later thing, I, I there was like a couple minutes there where we were just completely stunned that the bizarre choice to do that and just drop you in the middle of what, like you said, feels like a whole different show. Yeah. It felt like, a, like we were watching a half hour pilot for something. For new. something else. Yeah. And, and everybody has different hair and different, <laughs> it, it's like, yeah, it's, it is it, absolutely insane. Now, all that said, I do want to say that, and, and one little observation I did note as we've been talking about how the first half hour, was basically was the finale. Right. It it literally, as far as I remember, ended at the thirty minute mark. Yes. It was per- precisely a thirty minute finale. Um, now that said, I think actually the first thirty minutes. If I mean, granted, I I am saying I mean admitting just like you have that this was probably no, this was absolutely the worst True Blood finale ever. Mm-hmm. But those thirty minutes had some redeeming features to them. Um. I I wasn't wholly disappointed by those thirty minutes. Well, go ahead, because and I'm not joking. I can't think of anything. So what what uh, what was it that you liked? Well, I did. I mean, here, here's the thing. You know, we knew that the the Warlow thing. I think they made it overcomplicated, and of course, it it, it became a big muddled mess. Mm-hmm. We didn't know where it was going to go. Is he a bad guy? Is he not a bad guy? Is this, are his feelings for Suki real? Are they not? And while it was rushed. Uh, Tamara actually thought it was kind of nice to have him finally just haul off and say, you know, screw this. I actually am the bad guy. Okay. Because we hadn't seen that. But, and it was like, yeah, granted that should have happened two episodes ago. ago. So you could have had a nice slow burn buildup to really realize this guy is, is horrible. But to have him finally just turn and react to her stupid little request for dating, (laughs) Um, I did like his line about what going to the movies, going to the drive-in, <laughs> Ball, like, b- bowling. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of cute. You do have to admit um, after a while, like we've said, that she is 
she's always and it's not her fault i mean her acting aside which we also attacked it, it's it's not necessarily any one person's fault so much as that character is written so poorly in so many ways to be so unlikable while she's supposed to be the likable character in mm-hmm. the center of it all that yeah it it's a scene that doesn't play well for either of them because his part's rushed and with her part it's like you should be sympathetic toward her but at that point it's also like yeah she's being crazy at this point yeah <laughs> it's just nuts yeah it's really weird um yeah uh, well, anyway, but that said, I thought there were a couple of nice little character moments. I, you know, mm-hmm. the conversations between things like, you know, char- characters like Tara and Pam. Oh, uh, yeah. Granted, it was very brief. Yeah. But, you know, that that kind of stuff is nice. Um, there was uh, there were a couple of funny moments with Jason, which mm-hmm. was was. But that said, it is interesting how in the previous episode, Jason goes through this incredible you know challenging moment of this great decision whether or not he should blow sarah newland's head off Mm -hmm. and then in the next scene he's just partying down with the vampires right and and all happy so that was a little jarring uh and of course does that mean i guess we've realized that sarah newland is now probably destined to return again i guess so yeah because we didn't get any closure on that and he really should have just shot her yeah. There's no reason not to. So Terrible mistake. Yeah. Well, and a, the one thing I would say is, uh, considering Anna Camp's popularity, like we talked about a little last time, and how she was interesting as a character this time, from time to time, it might be that that was the decision they made. Like, you know, it would be nice if we kept the door open to use her again. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, from the production standpoint, you know, you could say, well, all right, that makes sense that they want to have her back but from a storytelling point of view there's no reason not to just wrap that up already and for her yeah to and you know what everything she did <laughs> i mean based upon the show already um they'll probably bring her back and then she'll get ripped apart by hefty vampires <laughs> that's right like in the same episode yeah and she'll she'll be you know yeah. she'll be stepping up to them and saying hey i created you or yeah. some kind of crap like that and then, of course, they'll just turn on her and rip her head off. You know, I did find it mildly interesting since you were talking about some positive things. I did find it mildly <laughs> There's about four or five. Yeah, that's about it. I did find it mildly interesting at the end, though, that although, like I said, I did feel like they're kind of lifting another ending also, that I definitely was getting that vibe that it was like, you know what? We haven't really done that much of in this show is zombies. And that's kind of the way those vampires were reading at the end there. It's like they've become more driven creatures that have less if no humanity left whatsoever. In fact, I have to see it again. Not that I would want to. Um, (laughs) But if I remember correctly, they looked kind of gray and deliberately made up to look a bit more zombie-like. And of course, naturally, just cinematography and otherwise, that final sort of crane shot of them lurching and you know en masse to the party is a very zombie-like shot. So there's a- Yeah, I like that shot, actually. Yeah. I like the fact that the group was building up with vampire speed. Yeah. And- that was kind of a nice little twist. Yeah, and there's like a part of me that because of all the zombie stuff I do and everything that I thought, mm, that's the, you know, it looks like could be interesting. But the problem, of course, is it always feels like they set things up and fail to follow through. And on top of it, tonight's episode was titled Radioactive, mm-hmm. and it ended with probably the one single most obvious song that every show that even remotely touches on the notion of the apocalypse has had to use in the past year or so, ever since Imagine Dragons 
did Radioactive. You know, that's... And I like the song, and but I my like the God, song. they're overusing the hell of it. Yeah, of it. but, you know, when it came up, we, you know, Steph and I looked at each other and goes, Radioactive's going to start a business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it did. It's like, oh, well. And, you know, the weird thing was, I don't know if you saw it, but I think it was like one of the HBO promos for a completely other show they do that came on, like, literally, like, minutes after True Blood was over. Completely different show. That was mm-hmm. using radioactive in its oh, promo. God. So, yeah, there's one song out there. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually, I think I've already dried up on, on the things I liked about it. Yeah, <laughs> about well, it didn't, it didn't do anything to redeem Jessica much. Uh, no, I mean, I, that, was a, was, that was a nice scene. There that was a nice scene with Andy. Yeah, when she goes to there and, and sort of pledges her protection... Um, I take that back, actually. When she pledges her protection, that is an attempt to try to rehabilitate her character a little bit. So right. there was a sense that well, there's something. Yeah, and also the scene where she was talking to Bill, and she's, she ref- refers to that thing about, you know, you when you first made me, you told me I, I needed to help you maintain your humanity or whatever, you know, whatever she said. Right. And that was really nice. And that was, that was again, that was sort of resetting her character yeah. just as they were resetting Bill's character. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, that's a little jarring. And if you look at the beginning of the episode where she's on the front porch and saying, everybody go, hey, let's play volleyball. Um, you know, she's uh, she's the old Jessica or this newish Jessica. And yeah. now we're back to the old classic Jessica. So I, yeah, very inconsistent. Oh, it's crazy. It was just a crazy, crazy episode. <laughs> I mean, it was from the half hour, half hour from the two thirty minute split where it's like clear that they didn't really have much of a story to wrap up this season to the crazy idea of, and maybe it has to do with that showrunner change and everything else, because like we were joking about a feeling like a pilot, maybe that really is what's going on. It was like, all right, let's wrap up the show as it was. And now let's do something odd. And, and you know, shows like Mad Men do that where yeah. over the, over the years they have done things where they'll take jumps and occasionally let the audience try to figure it out for themselves. Like, Oh, where have we jumped back into? But you know, that takes skill at mm-hmm. you know, writing and presenting that story. Well, and, and one thing I will say, I, I, I think I've probably mentioned Mad Men a few times already. I think it's an example of a show that, that has an excellent grasp of how to structure a story over the long haul and do these kind of, uh, time jumps and then inform the audience as the story unfolds so that it's interesting as you start to discover, oh, I see, we're there now. And that's where everybody is. This was rushed and disjointed and very odd and didn't give you any sense of how did this evolve. And Stephanie said, well, maybe that's something they'll start filling in at the beginning of next year. And yeah, oh, no. it could be, but right now it leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth at the end of the and I, yeah I, I really don't want to see that yeah i'm not really it was so disappointing to see where things have gone why would i want to now go back and see how they got there oh and this whole idea that that sam is proposing as mayor of the town which is that now we're and that's the other thing it's like so much goes on that they evidently decided well we're a television show and this brings us back to that other show we mentioned earlier in the episode we don't have to mention again that we both feel <laughs> often tells you more than shows you in a visual medium. Uh, but True Blood should be showing you these things. Evidently, the world has changed now, and there is, as the final song would suggest, 
a much more apocalyptic scenario going on out there in which there is a huge strain of Hep V vampires that are preying upon humanity. You get a definite sense that there's something huge going on out there, and Bon Tomp is just one small town that has decided to take it upon themselves to, to craft a strategy for it. And the bizarre strategy is everybody pair up with a vampire now <laughs> who is a nice vampire, and they'll feed on you, and in exchange, they'll provide you with protection. Like, every single person in this scenario can be trusted and yeah. will pair up neatly. <laughs> and so then when the Hep V vampires arrive, every single human will have a vampire bodyguard who cares about them and only wants them to be well. Right. Because they're their personal blood bag, apparently. <laughs> uh, and it just... It, it's it's nuts. And, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever said it on the show before, but one of the things I always feel is most important in any kind of storytelling is you can tell the craziest, wildest sci-fi fantasy horror thing you want to tell. All you need to do is establish what your reality is in your story. And once you do that, you have to adhere rigorously to that reality. You can't suddenly add something strange. Like, this story has always been about this, and now all of a sudden aliens are there also. You can't right. distort the audience's expectations. True Blood has a certain level of crazy. And let's face it, as shows go, it's a pretty high level of crazy. <laughs> but that six-month flash-forward felt like we'd gone to a whole new level with no explanation. <laughs> yeah, and and... I just felt like I had been th I had been thrown out of the show. Yeah. And we're somewhere else now, and I'm not sure I'm interested in that. <laughs> well, it's, it's like you were saying earlier this whole sort of zombie motif. It's almost like this new showrunner saying, "Hey, you know what show is doing really well?" <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> It's on AMC. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. I say, let's do Vampire versus Vampire. But no, our bad vampires are zombies. I just picked up a copy of Newsweek, and it said <laughs> zombies are the new vampire. <laughs> Why don't we have one of those? I think we better do that. We have a vampire show there last week. Zombies are new. Well, now, will we call them zombies? No, no, no. We'll no. call them uh, heppers. We'll call them heppers. Oh my god. I I really am not looking forward to season seven. <laughs> I'm afraid they might actually you know, go that. They're way. gonna call them heppers now. That's gonna happen. <laughs> Jason will be the one saying, We gotta team up and stop these heppers, man. Stop these heppers. <laughs> oh, oh no. Uh we'll have to go back and listen to this and see if all of our predictions have come true. That's right. Oh we leave so, yeah. out of any note? Probably not. Um yeah. So clearly we were not too pleased with this season finale. No, and and just, you know, as it's sort of more general comment, because it's kind of stuff, we, we talk about all kind of things related to pop culture. Doing a season finale of a TV show is a big deal. You you have a lot to do in a, in a, in a final episode of any television season. You have a lot to handle. Not obviously a series finale is a far steeper challenge, but with every season finale, you've got to both leave the audience feeling satisfied and give them the sense that everything that they've seen for that year, particularly with the modern structure of things where you tend to get a complete story within a year or a sense of certain complete threads within a year, and yet give them enough to entice them to come back next time. And that's a tough balancing act to do that. And some yeah. of the finales True Blood has done in the past has done a pretty good job of that. And this one just felt like it just fell completely apart. Like, it just did not have any structure. 
and it didn't leave you feeling all that interested in knowing what happens next, and that's not good. Yeah, I mean, previous finales, I've, I've also noticed that a lot of the previous ones have been layered, and it's just gone sort of, you know, from an interesting scene to another interesting scene. You don't know what's going to happen next. It's kind of exciting. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice, you know, build up to something big. This one, that 30-minute mark hit, the show was over, show was over as far as I was concerned. That series, that season was done, and this remaining half hour was so nonsensical, so disjointed, and so uninteresting that I would have been happy to have just stood up and walked away as the credits rolled. It was like watching the first 30 minutes of True Blood 2.0, like Scrubs <laughs> did one more year but only had a couple people come back and tried to start it with a new cast, or after MASH. Oh. <laughs> Here's, this was the true blood version of that 30 Mash. minute mark tonight was like well that's it for true blood folks oh wait a minute as soon as the black screen goes light again try out our new true blood <laughs> it's a little different but you might like it oh uh, yeah and it was a very long black <laughs> it was a long blackout it was weird i was actually for a moment i had this weird feeling like wait a minute did did everything just shut down <laughs> <laughs> They shut the lights off and left the studio. <laughs> We're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. We got nothing left. We're finished. <laughs> HBO just runs 30 minutes of a black screen and that's it. Oh, God. Yeah, so. Well, I think that's probably enough. <laughs> that's We've job. devoted more than enough time talking about this finale. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. A sad wrap-up to a show that has often reached some pretty crazy highs and been a lot of fun and and who's to say that next year they won't regroup and something interesting might come of all this it could certainly happen yeah i I will definitely give it a chance yeah and you know give it a fair chance with an open mind and we'll see what happens but yeah i hate getting to the point on it with a particular show where you you are going into it that with that thought that if this doesn't work after the first episode or two episodes i'm gonna shut it off and not watch anymore yeah it's always sad when you're enjoying something and that happens. But then again, you know, like like we were saying in the in the last episode, this has had a good run already. It's reaching the point where many shows would be very happy to have gone on that long. And it could very well be that everybody involved is just reaching a point where there's not much left to say with these characters. So we'll see what happens next year. Yep. Tune in next year for Season 7. And thanks for listening to this satellite episode of the G2V Podcast, now part of the Chronic Rift Network at chronicrift.com. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, visit our website at g2vpodcast.com, join our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at g2vpodcast, and if you have any comments or questions, of course, send them to contact at g2vpodcast.com. Our show music is by Brian Boyko and Frank Nora. <laughs>